What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and things are really kicking off here. We have rookies reporting the training camp. We have training camp really getting started. I want to say the end of this week, beginning of next week. And that's when the fantasy football content season really gets into full force. So I kind of need to be really strategic with what videos we put out during that time because a lot of growth happens during that time. People want to see certain things. People don't want to see, sadly, quarterbacks, tight ends. All of the fantasy football content you're going to see across the board are focused on running backs and wide receivers, and that's completely fine. But I do find myself, the last two years, I haven't really gotten to sit down and give my thoughts just on the quarterback or tight end landscape. So I figured before things really start to get going this fantasy season, I'll sit down and just talk about the quarterback landscape. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about my top 15 quarterback rankings, break them into tiers, talk about the entire landscape. And then later on in the week, We'll do the same thing for tight ends because I think this is going to be the last opportunity to talk about those players. Now, just a little bit of a coincidence. The reason I want to do this now as well is because I'm doing a redraft rankings update on Saturday. Our redraft side of the Patreon, of the Discord, is all live at this point. If you want access to the rankings, if you want access to what's going to be happening in the season where I give out in-season fab guidance, in-season weekly rankings, all of that good stuff can be found patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. So with that being said, let's not waste any more time. If you enjoyed the video, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Thirsty, thirsty, trying to choose. I mean, I know I'm critical. Now, before we get into our first quarterback, I just want to bring up something really, really quick. I have been wearing, or I'm blocking it now, but I've been wearing some merch, and I know some of you guys have been uh, you know, sort of on my case, you know, what have you been wearing? What is that shirt? What's the merch going on behind the scenes? If you guys remember Hussimo in the early days, he's edited a lot of stuff. He's edited a lot of my favorite videos on this channel, but he's gotten busy with like college and everything that he does, but he still works behind the scenes and works with the editors and works with, you know, kind of the merch side of things, which hasn't kicked off all the way, but it's been on the back burner that he's sort of gotten the blueprint for found a really cool artist. This is, this is the full product right here. You see, you have, okay, so this already has, this has a sticker on it, but this is one of the ones that I'm selling, right? So this is, or not selling, um, but this is the shirt. We have the basement up front and you can see the sticker, like I'm not messing around with any of these. These are going to be pretty much fresh out the package for you guys. And then the back is the part that I really like. The back has me in the basement, kind of like Godfather type style. And then you have Winnie on the couch as well, which is my uh dog so i think they're a pretty cool shirt they look cool you can wear them out they're not like cringe or like this is fantasy football whatever um but i only have i only had enough money to buy like 20 copies i have one hus has one a couple of my friends have already bought some but instead of sort of valuing you guys just running to some link and buying them there and just valuing first come first serve i want to value people who really rock with the channel um so i'm going to be putting out a google form it'll be down below in the the comments and you can just put on there your email, your uh, shipping address, your shirt size, and you have to use promo code Ron on underdog, be a first time depositor, and just comment on any YouTube video. So I'll put that Google form down below. You don't have to buy the shirt or anything. Just have to do those things that are on the Google form and you'll be put into the, the giveaway. And then I'll be doing that sometime early August in terms of shipping those out. So if you want to get in on that early, check that out down below. Now let's get into some player takes here. And let's talk about S tier, where we have one quarterback, and it's Josh Allen. But actually, before I even talk about Josh Allen, I want to give you guys some disclaimers up top. In terms of quarterback and how I play the quarterback position, I'm chasing 
pure upside. Especially in redraft managed leagues, we know JJ Zacharisa and late round quarterback, we can stream quarterbacks. So the the detriment to your team by whiffing on a quarterback isn't as steep as it is at other positions. You can get a complete bust at quarterback and just stream off the waiver wire and pretty much be just fine as long as you don't spend like a top three round pick on a quarterback. Now, we chase upside because we want difference-making upside of the quarterback position. We've seen that a lot in recent years with the Josh Allens of the world, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, Lamar Jackson having one of the craziest seasons of all time in 2019, single-handedly winning leagues. Like We haven't seen this modern era of fantasy point scoring at the quarterback position where they are swinging things on a week-to-week basis as much as they are. So I want to be chasing those as much as possible, and the best way to do that is from Konami Code Upside, which is rushing quarterbacks. We saw last year... Of the top seven quarterbacks in points per game, six of them were among the top 10 among quarterbacks in carries and rushing yards for quarterbacks in 2021. The access to that game-breaking ceiling comes from rushing upside, so I value that above everything in fantasy scoring. Now, if you have six-point passing touchdowns, a little bit different, but for today, the universally used passing scoring system is four-point touchdowns, so we're going to view the landscape through that perspective. Now, let's talk about Josh Allen. He's the locked and loaded QB1. He's the only quarterback going in S tier. Now, I will say, I don't draft Josh Allen a lot. I think third round is a little bit steep. I would say it's actually plenty steep uh, for your quarterback one, just a really expensive quarterback. And I get it. Uh, I get that he's amazing. I have him in S tier in a tier of his own. I just don't think that he's a huge advantage over the guys going in A tier. I really only want to take him if I have digs already in the first round. That's really the only spot where I feel comfortable taking josh allen in the top three rounds now if you want to just talk about josh allen the fantasy quarterback he's insane right outside of price back-to-back four thousand plus yard seasons 35 plus passing touchdowns 400 plus rushing yards five plus rushing touchdowns he is unfair he is like if cam newton could throw for 35 touchdowns like consistently he's wild now i will say the rushing aspect of his profile is actually really interesting because he ran the ball more often last year than he ever has before. He set a career high with 763 rushing yards, and he rushed the ball 7.2 times per game, which was interesting because the year before, when he had like his true breakout in 2020, he had 420 rushing yards, 6.4 carries per game. So a full like 300 rushing yards more than the previous year, and then he was rushing the ball per game almost one time extra than the year before. And the crazy part is that he actually had six touchdowns in 2021, on that 763 rushing yard season the previous year he had eight touchdowns on 421 rushing yards so he actually underperformed in the rushing touchdown department so if he goes for another 750 plus rushing yards he has upside for double digit rushing touchdowns which would give him just like a that's that's how he could sort of come up against a lamar jackson 2019 season is, is if we see josh allen have 12 rushing touchdowns and like 35 to 40 passing touchdowns that's how he gets there now in terms of sort of his downside we have Dable leaving for the Giants, which is a little bit of an issue, but it seems like their new OC, Ken Dorsey, was brought up in the same system. He's been there since 2019. He should run a similar offense, so it's not a huge, huge concern. Mike Clay, who I always reference for projections, his job is just to get everything as accurate as possible. And I like looking at what he does for team-level projections because he's looking at coaching tendencies and year-to-year tendencies. When the head coach leaves, how does that affect things? He has that all nailed down. And Clay has him for fourth and drop back, seventh and attempts, should still be high volume. Play calls could lead to less efficiency, but again, we have Josh Allen throwing the football. I think that 
the offense will be efficient no matter what's happening if Josh Allen's there. And they have great weapons again. Stephon Diggs, you have, I guess you could say Dawson Knox is in there. Gabriel Davis is fine. I actually think that Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie are kind of interesting. They bring in James Cook, and I don't think that signals very much that they want to run the ball more between the tackles, but just they want another passing option out of the backfield for Josh Allen. So that should be an interesting dynamic uh, with James Cook there. So again, locked and loaded QB1. He's pretty much a lock to be a top three quarterback. And if those rushing touchdowns spike, we're looking at a pretty game-breaking type season. Now, speaking of game-breaking type seasons, this is why I have Lamar Jackson as my quarterback too. He has break fantasy upside, and that's what I'll be chasing at quarterback. He averaged 28.2 points per game in year two. That is the highest points per game we've ever seen from a quarterback, and I believe it's the highest points per game we've ever seen across the board, unless you want to go back to like the 1940s when things were just like weird. But if you look at the past 10 years, nobody's even come close to sniffing that. And the second highest points per game since 2012 is 26.1 points per game by Mahomes. So Lamar gapped the second best point per game score by like two total points per game, which is insane. It's better than any Cam Newton season, all of the crazy Cam Newton seasons that there have ever been. Lamar Jackson gapped that. It's just, I don't think that people truly understand how crazy that 2019 season is. Now, I know we're two years away from that and things have sort of changed, but I think if anything, Lamar Jackson presents that same upside every year it's not like he's lost his rushing upside and i think he gets some unfair flack as a passer uh, i don't really understand why people people just seem to think that like he can't throw the ball or he's like this negative quarterback first of all in fantasy that doesn't matter a ton but on top of that he's actually fine at throwing the football he led the the league in passing touchdowns in 2019 with 36 despite only playing in 15 games he also threw over 50 percent of his passes to targets like willie sneed nick boyle hayden hurst seth roberts just an absolute band of misfits outside of Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. And this is a great stat from Sam Hoppin where he goes over just how good Lamar Jackson has been as a passer. Over the last three seasons, Lamar Jackson has more total passing EPA, which is expected points added. It's a really cool advanced metric. He has more than, this is just as a passer, not even as a runner, as a passer, more than Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Matt Ryan, and more quarterbacks. There's only four quarterbacks with more passing EPA per play than Jackson at that time over those three years, and it's Mahomes, Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, and Dak Prescott. The whole idea that Lamar Jackson can't play quarterback or that he can't throw the ball is nonsense, and that's why I like him even more, because while he does have like a 1,000-yard rushing, 10-plus touchdowns on the ground upside, he can throw for 35 passing touchdowns and break fantasy on any given season. Now, the issue with Lamar Jackson for this year, and I I don't think it affects him a ton. I guess it affects his upside slightly, but it's a little tough to see what their what their pass run split is going to be in 2022 because they were top 10 in pass attempts per game last year but then they were bottom five the previous two years with Lamar Jackson so it's a little bit weird Clay has them reverting back to the previous two years where they he has them 30th in pass attempts 26 in dropbacks now I think there's actually a chance that it's probably more so towards 10 to 15 because we have jk dobbins news coming out that he's not healthy even though he kind of refuted it and stuff it just seems like the running backs are a little bit of a mystery i don't think that it is a set in stone they're going to go back to being a a run first team i think that it's sort of up in the air and if that happens and you have lamar jackson throwing the ball a bunch of times like a top 10 to 15 rate you have him playing for a full season you have him hitting any kind of efficiency in the rushing game and again you're breaking fantasy. So when you have any sort of path to that upside, 
that's what I'll be chasing. So that's why I have Lamar Jackson. He's like a fifth round pick, which is crazy. He is of these high uh, end quarterbacks. He is the the big one that I want exposure to. Now, the next one we're going to put up here, Kyler Murray. And again, I tend to prefer these guys in this high end range that have the rushing upside. And we now have two different stretches of Kyler Murray being a really, really strong quarterback for fantasy. Before a week eight injury last year, he was averaging 24.8 points per game, which would have been the QB one on the entire season. Not even Josh Allen had more than 24.8 points per game over the entire season. He had the same thing happen in 2020, where through 10 weeks, he averaged 30 points per game, which even beats out Lamar Jackson's crazy 28 point per game season. That was in his second season, and it was through a 10-game sample. Then he had a shoulder injury, which sort of messed with his throwing, messed with his willingness to rush the ball, and that threw off that season. And I know that we now have two seasons of him starting strong and flaming out. People are like, I don't want to go through that roller coaster again. And I can sort of see it, but even on the whole, the last two years, he's been no worse than the QB4 in points per game with 22.2 points per game and 24.4 points per game. And I would argue because half of those seasons were not great, that's almost his floor in that area. So I think the pessimism about Kyler sort of burning people by his late season slumps, I don't think that it's fair to be putting that towards his future output, especially because players aren't really injury prone. It's not like Kyler Murray had a bunch of injury problems in college. And there's some extra pressure this year because he's going into a contract year. He's playing for this mega deal that he you know, wants to compete with the Josh Allens and the Patrick Mahomes of the world. He wants to put up that kind of numbers in the salary department if he wants that then he knows that he needs to put up like a crazy mvp caliber season and i think he's drawing live to do that he has marquise brown coming in he's going to eventually have deandre hopkins zach Ertz was serviceable last year rondell moore could take a, a year two jump you have james connor in the backfield he has enough weapons he can do his thing and despite back-to-back top four finishes we still haven't seen him hit that crazy ceiling he's only hit a career high of 26 passing touchdowns at this point that's not a lot. Again, Lamar hit 35 in his best season. Everybody in this A-tier range can hit 35-plus on a regular basis. Kyler hasn't done that yet, but the minute that we see him hit a 30-plus touchdown season, doesn't have a first, you know, a, a back, like, 10-game slump, and or I don't know why I said slump so weird, but, you know, the back 10-game slump, if he plays a full season consistently, and again, I don't think it's fair to say after three seasons that he can't do that. He has 30-plus passing touchdowns in his range. And then on top of that, we saw in year two, he had 11 rushing touchdowns. If he puts up 30-plus passing touchdowns, 10-plus rushing touchdowns, it's over. Now, Kyler Murray, as the individual quarterback, the reason why I believe that 30-plus touchdowns is well within his range, he is amazing in a lot of really advanced metrics at quarterback. And one of the ones that I love to see is big-time throws to turnover-worthy play ratio, which is just are your big-time throws making up for your you know head-scratching throws. And Kyler Murray was insane last year. He had 41 big-time throws, second in the NFL, to 12 turnover-worthy plays. For comparison, somebody like Josh Allen had 39 to 26. I believe that um, I believe that Tom Brady had 45 to 15. So Kyler Murray had like one of the craziest big-time throw to turnover-worthy play ratios. He had the second most big-time throws. He is a great quarterback from a passing standpoint, and then he also offer, offers some pretty crazy rushing upside. So that's why I have him at quarterback three. Now, when we move on from there, we have Justin Herbert, who his start to his career so far is just insane. He's the quarterback seven in points per game as a rookie, quarterback two in points per game as a second-year guy, 30-plus passing touchdowns in both of those seasons. So this is really exciting going into year three, 
this could be where he really like hits his stride for an MVP season, puts up like a 45 plus passing touchdown season. And the only reason that I don't have him above Lamar and Kyler is just a rushing ceiling. He was 17th in carries per game last year, but I want it to be clear. All four of these quarterbacks I'm going to have in the A tier are all back to back in my ranks. Like literally in the rankings, they're just going to be back to back to back. And I'll just be keeping an eye on that. And as each quarterback goes, once there's like the last one or two, that's when I'll be taking one, especially if the last like one or two are available in like the sixth round, I'll be taking them automatic. Now, I would probably put Herbert as my quarterback too in like six point passing touchdown leagues, but in four point passing, I will prefer the rushing guys like Lamar and Kyler. He also has a great environment. Uh, Joe Lombardi last year passed the ball a ton, six to neutral pass rate. And you also have Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Eckler, and some fun options like Gerald Everett, Josh Palmer. Justin Herbert is a very safe option, and he could just set the league on fire just from a touchdown standpoint. Now, quarterback five, we have Mahomes. And I get that Tyree Kill is gone, but it seems like people are super quick to say Mahomes is overrated. I even saw a take on Twitter that was saying draft Joe Burrow over Patrick Mahomes and redraft this year. I think it really just comes down to this idea when it comes to quarterback evaluation of our quarterbacks made by the receivers or the does a fantasy quarterback's production sort of happen within himself? Does he create his own fantasy points? And it's a debate that sort of happened for a while. I know uh, Peter Howard and Jacob Rickroad go back and forth on it all the time. There isn't really a clear uh, answer there, but Mahomes is quite literally the gold standard at quarterback. Since he's entered the league, he's dominated. If you look at any chart in terms of EPA, completion percentage over expectation, anything across the board, Mahomes is probably at the top of it since he's entered the league. And that's why I have such a hard time fading him because I don't think that he is a product of Tyree Kill, I think he is just one of the greatest quarterbacks of this generation. And when you look at his adjusted yards per attempt among active players, he is first in the NFL ahead of Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, just insane. I just have a hard time seeing a world where Mahomes doesn't get to like 4,500 yards, 35 plus passing touchdowns. He's in uh, an offense with Andy Reid. Andy Reid is going to dial up fine plays. He still has Travis Kelsey in the offense. I just don't think it's going to have him take a huge step back. Does it hurt his ceiling a little bit not having Tyree Kill? I would say yes, but I still just think because it's Mahomes, because he's been that guy, he could very easily still just finish as a top three quarterback, and I wouldn't flinch at all. I actually love the discount we're getting on Mahomes right now. Now, uh, this is Mike Clay's projection for him. He has him at quarterback, too, with 4,600 yards, 36 passing touchdowns, leading league in dropbacks, passing yards, and passing touchdowns. So there's still going to be a ton of volume. Plays will be called by Andy Reid. Mahomes will still be throwing the football. I don't think that there's a ton of reason to fade him or put him outside of this tier with Lamar, Kyler, and Herbert. Now, we're going to move to this next tier. This is going to be a tier of one player, one player only, and it's Jalen Hurts. I've been gushing about him all offseason. I've been gushing ever since the A.J. Brown trade happened. I've been talking about this Eagles offense. I'm going to be overweight across the board on all of the Eagles. And when we look at Hertz, he has upside to finish in the top five. You could even make an argument that he belongs in A tier. I'm going to have him in a small tier behind because I would probably need these guys to be off the board before I take Jalen Hurts, but still sixth, seventh round, I'm comfortable taking him there. He was the quarterback six in points per game last year, which is just wild for a second-year player who only had like 19 starts as of right now at this point. He led quarterbacks in carries, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns with 140 carries for 782 yards, 10 touchdowns. That's what we're looking for when we're asking for Konami code upside. Now, he was the quarterback six. He led all quarterbacks 
in rushing on a run-heavy offense, and that's probably his median outcome, right? Somewhere in that QB6 range where he leads the league in rushing, he passes for, you know, like a 15-touchdown, 20-touchdown year again, and he just stays in that top five-ish range. But I think that there's a chance that we see Jalen Hurts gets get unleashed as a passer, and that's where things really get juicy because he goes from a 3,000-yard passing, 15-touchdown guy to like a 3,500, 25-touchdown guy which when you take into account his rushing upside, we're talking about QB1 and all of fantasy, possibly Lamar Jackson break fantasy type season. And the reason I think there's a chance for that is AJ Brown. And it's not only from a talent standpoint, but they didn't spend anything on running backs. They didn't uh, sign any in free agency. They cut Jordan Howard. All they did was spend their undrafted free agent money. So I guess they signed him, but they grabbed Kennedy Brooks undrafted free agent. In the passing game, they trade away their 18th overall pick, the third round pick for A.J. Brown. It just doesn't seem like a move that the front office makes if they want to run the ball as much as they did last year. So I think that people sort of penciling in the Eagles for bottom five pass attempts per game, I think it's a little bit naive. Because when we look at what Nick Sirianni did, and I'm, I've said it a million times before, I'll say it again. I'm going to bring up this chart. I'm going to bring up this idea a million times before we get to the season. You're going to be sick of hearing me say it. But Nick Sirianni did not at all want to run the ball as much as they did as much as they did last year when he came in the first five weeks or the first six weeks he had the fifth highest passing volume in neutral game scripts and then injuries happen they realize you know Jalen Rager and a rookie Devonta Smith won't be enough to sustain this volume and they scaled it back and they ran the ball a ton and I actually I've said this before but I actually give Nick Sirianni a ton of credit for sort of altering his entire offense on the fly and making his team competitive because of it uh, but I do think that the moves that they've made point to them wanting to pass the ball more. And if they crank the passing volume up and Jalen Hurts can sustain that, that's when we get into game-breaking fantasy-type upside. And on top of that, I think that A.J. Brown being so good, he's so efficient. His yards per out run is amazing. His targets per out run is amazing. I think just him catching balls from Jalen Hurts and then having the yak and the touchdown upside, I think gives Jalen Hurts that much more juice towards being an efficient passer and, you know, threatening for 3,525 touchdowns in a season so when we move to the d tier again i told you jalen hurts is in a tier by his, by itself we have a spot where i would put all these guys in like the just outside of elite tier but i'm more than fine having them as my quarterback one they're all pretty much back to back in the rankings you can arrange them however you want all of them sort of have their own cases to be like a top three quarterback on the season again i think they're all fine to take in that you know eight to ten round range and the first one we're going to talk about is Joe Burrow. And Burrow is tough for me because he doesn't have a ton of rushing upside, but the passing upside is so juicy. Last year, he was the quarterback 10 on 4,600 passing yards and 35, 34 passing touches. I don't know why I can't speak today. Um, but he also had a 70% completion percentage. Super efficient. Yards per attempt was crazy. I believe he was the number one quarterback in PFF passing grade. I got to believe there's some meat left on the bone there, though, because we have a couple of factors going his way. Where last year, they were only 13th in neutral pass rate, which was weird because in the games that Burrow was healthy in his rookie year, they were fourth in neutral pass rate. They wanted to throw the ball a lot more when Burrow was a rookie. I think some of it sort of happened to be something to do with his, his injury, right? He tore his ACL coming into it. Maybe they didn't want to rely on him too heavily. But I think after the Super Bowl run, they're going to want to rely on Joe Burrow more often. 
trust him to be the focal point of the offense. They can pass more. And then on top of that, you have more efficiency getting injected into this offense because you have Burrow, who's been amazing. Then you have Jamar Chase, who can take a year two jump. We saw what Justin Jefferson just did last year. Then you have Higgins, who can take a year three jump. We just saw what Devo Samuel and Marquise Brown and Deontay Johnson did. You have a lot of upwards momentum with this team where just Joe Burrow being amazing and his two wide receivers being amazing sort of tees him up to have a pretty wild season. I also think that there's some room there for him to improve his rushing. He was 15th in carries per game as a rookie. He dropped to 30th last year. I think another year after his ACL injury, we could see that number climb back up to the 15th range, which would be in that Justin Herbert area as not Konami code, but a guy who can give you like 302 to three on the ground. Now, the next guy we're going to talk about is a polarizing player, Trey Lance. He's an upside swing. I completely get that. But these are the profiles that we want to be attacking in redraft. I want, especially in redraft managed leagues, I want as much Trey Lance as possible. He is a guy where, okay, uh, I don't think out the gate, Jimmy Garoppolo has any chance to start week one. It's actually a great stat from David Gattiari. Jeez, dude, I think I might've lost it. But 28 quarterbacks were drafted in the top three picks of the NFL draft from 2000, 2021, all 28 of them started week one of their second season. So I'm not scared at all about Trey Lance not starting week one. I think the only threat at all is that he just absolutely sucks. And by like week seven, he gets pulled for Jimmy G. And if that happens, you can just run to the waiver wire and grab a new guy and just start Trey Lance when he starts. And that's that. I think that in managed leagues, when you have the luxury of streaming, I don't think that that is a huge reason not to want to draft Trey Lance because his upside is so asymmetrical and I think it's the highest upside of anybody in this tier he is a guy that could have that Lamar Jackson type season he in his three starts last year remember we had Trey Lance uh, Trevor Lawrence start the entire year couldn't even crack like 12 points per game same thing with Zach Wilson even Justin Fields wasn't that great in his starts but when you look at Trey Lance and what he did in his three starts or I think he had like two starts in like a game that he came in midway but he averaged 18.7 points per game which would have been the QB 13 on the year as a rookie. And I think that he has room to smash heading into year two. His year two comps in my database are amazing, right? When we take into account his prospect profile, he was an elite prospect in my database. And when you take into account his clean PFF passing grade, his adjusted yards per attempt in year one, and his points per game in year one, you run into year two comps of Andrew Luck, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Marcus Mariota. Those are all amazing quarterbacks or amazing fantasy quarterbacks, I'll say. In year two, Andrew Luck was the QB nine in points per game. Josh Allen was the QB 11, Lamar Jackson was the QB 1, Kyler Murray was the QB 3, and Marcus Mariota was the QB 12. So I think just from pulling his comps out, we're looking at like a floor of a back-end QB 1 and a ceiling of a top 3 quarterback. I think that that's fair to say. And then on top of that, these guys, you know, Marcus Mariota, I think that he was, what, throwing to like a Corey Davis in his second year? We take into account this offense, you have Kyle Shanahan calling plays, and then you have Debo, you have Kittle, you have Ayuk. You have a ton of playmakers for them to just create yak, create their own efficiency on top of what he's going to be doing as a rusher, as a quarterback. His upside is scary. And that's what I want to be targeting because, again, I think that he is one of those guys that can move the needle at the quarterback position at a discounted price. Now, QB9, we're going to talk about Russell Wilson. And last year was rough, right? He came off an injury last year. It was bad. I kind of just want to throw that year out the way. Um, but I do, I do want to say prior to that 2017 to 2020, Russell Wilson hit over 30 passing touchdowns across all four of those seasons. He has two quarterbacks, six seasons in that area. He has one quarterback overall season in that range. He ran for 300 to 600 rushing yards in all four of those seasons. He has 
rushing upside. He has insane efficiency. Where if we look at the overall active leaders in touchdown rate, he is third on the board, one of only three quarterbacks with a 6% plus touchdown rate. Also, if we go back to that other chart where we showed the, I'm trying to think of what it was, but it was the, yeah, it was this. It was the adjusted yards per attempt. He's also number four on there. So he is just an efficiency monster. He's going to make this offense score more points and gain more yards on a per play basis. And that is what we want. Now, the interesting part about all this is that he goes from a team where they didn't want to pass the ball a ton in the last four years. You have 2021, the Seahawks were 31st in pass attempts per game. They were 17th in 2020. They were 32nd in 2018. And they were, no, just those four years. But if you take those four years in average amount, 32nd, 31st, 23rd, 17th, you're getting like a bottom five passing volume team. Now, when you enter Nathaniel Hackett, new head coach for the Broncos, I don't think he's going to come in there and just air things out. But Green Bay was 15th in pass attempts per game last year. They're a team that passes the ball about a league average rate. Mike Clay seems to agree. He has Russell Wilson scheduled for the 15th most dropbacks in the NFL. I think that's fine. I will also say that I think there's a lot of room for that to go up to like a top 10 number because again, he's playing in that division. He's going to be playing six games against the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Chiefs. All shootout potential, all close game potential. So I think that, you know, his range is league average passing volume to top 10 passing volume. And when you take that into account, from the previous seasons that he's had where he's been a bottom five bottom 10 pass attempt guy i think that it gets extremely interesting i also think he has fine weapons he has uh sutton judy tim patrick even kj hamler is interesting even albert o is interesting javante out of the backfield it's a really fun setup i think that he's also a guy that could rush in that 250 to 300 rushing yard range for two to three touchdowns like a dak like a herbert now speaking of dak we'll go into our next quarterback and again i have these guys all Literally back-to-back. If you want to put Dak ahead of Russ, I cannot follow you. So let's talk about Dak real quick. And I have Dak as my QB10. And he's nothing super flashy. I don't think that he can be the quarterback one overall on the year. But he has one of the highest floors in fantasy. You can expect 20 to 21 points per game from him and him to be in the mix for the top five almost every year. He led the highest scoring passing offense last year. They were eighth in neutral pass rate. 37 passing touchdowns. He was fourth in the NFL in that. It's a really quarterback friendly offense where they're going to run a ton of ton of plays are going to score a ton of points that's where you want your quarterback to be situated in terms of his offense and we're going to see much of the same i think it's going to be another high scoring offense you have cd lamb you have i guess dalton schultz is fun you have tony pollard you have zeke elliott you have dak you have kellen moore calling plays but i think it's a little bit unfairly dinged for what happened last year he still led the highest scoring offense in the nfl despite i want to say also dak had sort of this i don't know if it was a calf injury he had some kind of injury midway that tweaked some things for that offense and kellen moore still did absolutely fine so i think that there is enough there for a really high floor and then the the hidden upside with dak is he only had i don't know how many rush attempts per game he had but he also scaled back his rushing last year like burrow coming off of a major leg injury he could, you know, bounce back to where he used to be in terms of rushing, and that could give him a little bit more of a ceiling into that like 22, 23 point per game type range. Then we get to A tier to my quarterback 11, Tom Brady. And Brady's a tough one for me to wrap my head around because, as you guys know, I chase rushing upside. And Tom Brady offers zero rushing upside, but he finished as the quarterback three last year. He led the league in attempts 
passing yards, passing touchdowns with 719 attempts, 5,300 passing yards, 43 touchdowns. He hit career highs in attempts and yards. The issue for me in 2022 and why I don't have him in C tier is because I don't expect Brady to hit 700 plus attempts again, but they should still be a top five passing volume, still top five in points scored. Also, then the efficiency will take a little bit of a step back where Antonio Brown and Gronk are gone, and now he just has Evans, Russell Gage, Fournette, and then like a banged up Chris Godwin coming in early on in the season. I think that he probably goes from a spot where it's like 720, 5,343 in terms of the stat line to probably somewhere around like 675, 4,836, which would put him as a back-end quarterback one, and that's where I have him. I think it's a little bit dangerous to schedule him for 5,000 plus, 40 plus again at this age minus Antonio Brown and Gronk. And say what you want about Antonio Brown, but last year he was legit a top 5 to 10 wide receiver on the field. If you look at PFF uh, receiving grades, you look at targets per out run, he was insane last year uh so losing that is huge same thing with Gronk now let's go to the Matthew Stafford who I think is again like a very similar bet to Tom Brady where he's going to win on efficiency he's going to win on like 40 plus passing touchdown seasons and he's not going to rush a ton last year at 600 attempts 4,800 passing yards and 41 touchdowns and you're not gonna get anything on the ground like I said but that's great he's gonna be paired with Cooper Cup he's gonna be paired with Allen Robinson possibly paired with Odell Beckham I do think that Odell Beckham if he's going to sign anywhere anytime soon it would be the Rams so he has fine weapons he has Sean McVay calling plays really the only concern is is that without Cam Akers last year they didn't really have a dominant goal line option which has been Sean McVay's forte in recent years where you have Todd Gurley putting up those crazy rushing touchdown seasons so if they scale back Stafford's red zone pass attempts which he was third in the NFL last year that is one thing to be scared of but Cam Akers he hasn't been healthy yet he hasn't been like some dominant force in the NFL yet I don't think it's too much of a concern though then we have I was gonna say F tier but this is actually did I screw something up no in my notes I just I I labeled these wrong in terms of tiers but Aaron Rodgers is who we're gonna put up here first quarterback in E tier and I would say E tier is kind of this safety level I don't know why I can't talk today guys just 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 bear with the boy it's a little bit hot down here but we're not making excuses um what I was going to say before I said level or what I whatever I said this is my safety lever tier where if I don't get one of those top 12 guys I'll just snag a guy from this range and then I'll pair him with an upside type guy like a Justin Fields a Daniel Jones Deshaun Watson I guess if you think that he's not going to be suspended for a bunch of games and you also have Zach Wilson um, but in terms of Rodgers, he's a really tough eval because he's like Patrick Mahomes. And then this might be his worst supporting cast of all time. But does a quarterback create his own fantasy points or does the weapons around him create the fantasy points? And I think that probably what I would say is that the quarterback creates the foundation of his fantasy points and then his weapon sort of creates the ceiling. And the thing with Rodgers is that he's just so good, man. If you look at individual interception rate, He's lowest in the NFL, 1.3% among active quarterbacks. And if you want to even go to the other uh, to the other advanced metrics that we were looking at, if I can pull them up, you have him second in the NFL in touchdown percentage, 6.3%. You also have him, I believe, in yards per attempt. He's up there as well, if I can find that tweet. He's just, he's just been insane. Yeah, he's third in adjusted yards per attempt among all active players. That's over a super long sample, too, since 2005. Third in adjusted yards per attempt, second in touchdown rate, first in interception rate. 
He's not going to ding you for interceptions. He's going to score touchdowns at a really efficient rate. People also forget he had that really efficient season two seasons ago, 2020. He was like at a 9.1% touchdown rate guy. And we are like, he can't repeat that again. He can't repeat that again. Last year, he goes out there. His touchdown rate fell to like 6.4%, 6.5%, 6.6%, something in that area. And he still led the league in touchdown percent. So he is really efficient. But the issue becomes he doesn't have Devontae Adams this year. And that's where you kind of have to wrestle with the idea or wrestle with the idea that I don't, I think Russell Wilson was just on my mind um, with, can he still be that guy? And I think on a per attempt basis, I actually think that his touchdown percent and his interception rate should probably remain the same. I think that they lean on the rushing a little bit more this year when you have AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones there, but I don't see why he can't pretty much just still be like a top 12 quarterback. And I like looking at my clay's projections is like what like the 14th time i brought up his projections here but it's just interesting to me to sort of see where the fantasy points are coming from and when he looks at you know team level passing volume does everything add up because you can say whatever you want for a player you can say you know his situation is great this is great this is great but when push comes to shove and you take into account historical data in terms of pass rate and touchdown rate and what does this play caller usually do and sort of how does things shake out from the passing volume allotted to this team how do things actually shake out when you put it to pen and paper and he actually has Aaron Rodgers at QB6. And I probably disagree with having him there. But it is really interesting that Mike Clay seems to be of the idea that quarterbacks create their own fantasy points, not the other way around. So he has set him second in touchdowns, last in interceptions. He has him as the QB6. It's also worth noting that Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback eight in points per game last year, the quarterback four in points per game the year before that. So I'm at quarterback 13 here. And he hasn't finished outside of the top 12 since, I believe, 2019. So he's a pretty good bet uh, just from historical success to sort of be a back-end quarterback one. I do think that Devonta Adams removes that top five ceiling that he once had, but I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is going to forget how to play quarterback and not be the same guy that he usually is. So I like him in that quarterback 13 range. I take him over guys like Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins just because we've seen the success for a while and those touchdown rates, adjusted yards per attempt, all of that on a per attempt basis are really impressive. Now, the next quarterback we'll put up here is Kirk Cousins. And Cousins is an easy one to explain. He probably doesn't have a league-winning upside, but, you know, he's been a top 12 quarterback in back-to-back seasons now, despite having awful play calling from, like, I think it's, like, Gary Kubiak, and he had, like, the, the son of Gary Kubiak running the offense. Just really bad, like, hard-nosed, smash-mouth football-type play calling, you know, slow tempo, slow tempo, running the ball a ton. And you look at the pass rates in neutral game situations, we have... The Vikings at 26 in the NFL the last two years. And the new head coach, Kevin O'Connell, from the Rams comes in there, who comes from an offense that is fourth highest in neutral pass rate over the last two seasons. So this offense is going to be completely rejuvenated. There's going to be more three wide receiver sets, more four wide receiver sets. There's going to be more going on in the passing game in terms of passing routes and getting Justin Jefferson open. You also have a lot of those uh, Cooper Cup-esque type concepts from the Rams. I'm not saying in terms of Cooper Cup being, or in terms of Justin Jefferson being used like Cooper Cup, but Sean McVay is one of the best coaches out there and getting Cooper Cup matched up with like linebackers and getting uh, Tyler Higby matched up on a DB. So you have that mismatch. I think there's going to be a lot of mismatch stuff going on with Justin Jefferson, a lot of interesting ways to scheme him open. Again, a more modern offense. They're going to pass the ball more. So when you unlock that and you have Kirk Cousins who just passed for 30 touchdowns in back-to-back seasons, I believe one was like 35. When you pass the ball, at this rate, with these modern concepts, I think that Kirk Cousins is in, it's in his wheel. I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I think that you should probably project him for more like 28, 29, 30 touchdowns, but 
35 to 40 touchdowns is completely in his range with Jefferson, with Thielen, if KJ Osborne is anything, if Irv Smith is anything. You have a lot of interesting stuff going on with this Vikings team. So I'll just take that, the proven commodity again, two back-to-back top 12 finishes, two back-to-back seasons with 30-plus passing touchdowns. Give me Kirk Cousins over this next quarterback all day. Now, again, I cannot stress enough. They're in the same tier. They're almost back-to-back, but I just give Kirk Cousins a nod because we've seen him do it, and it's not like he's in like year three or like Derek Carr's in year three. These Both of these guys have been in the league for five-plus years. We kind of know what they are. And we look at Derek Carr, I'm a little bit more cautious on him. He only has one 30-plus passing touchdown season. That came in year two in like 2015. Again, Rodgers and Cousins both hit 30-plus passing touchdowns each of the last two years. And Carr also hasn't finished better than a QB 16 in points per game since 2016. So there's not a lot to go off there. Again, we haven't seen a 30-plus passing touchdown season. We haven't even seen a top 12 season since 2016, when the league was just completely different at that point. Now, the situation is sort of what we're buying into here. We have McDaniels coming in, so he should call some better plays. We have Devontae Adams coming in there. You have a healthy Darren Waller. You have Hunter Renfro kind of taking these steps forward. So there's a lot of interesting things going on where his weapons are better, but we're still dealing with Derek Carr, the QB. So I, I'm putting on QB 15. I don't really get all the love for Derek Carr because I don't think that he has top five to eight upside. He doesn't have any rushing upside. You would need him to throw like 40 plus passing touchdowns to get into that area. So I have him at QB 15, again, in the same tier as Rodgers and Kirk Cousins. If you want to have him ahead of those guys because you're excited about Devontae Adams, go ahead. But that is how I feel about those guys. Now that is the top 15 quarterback ranking video where I talk about the entire landscape of the position because I don't really get to talk about quarterbacks. Like I said, I don't really get to talk about them. I'm not gonna make a video where I just talk about like Lamar Jackson for a while. So I figured that that would be a good way to do that today. Now, again, if you want access to the entire rankings, they're going to be updated on Saturday. You can find them here, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. There's going to be the top, I believe I'll do like top 200 players in redraft or PPR fantasy football leagues. And I'll have them ranked in a way to sort of follow through the draft strategies like to follow where we're avoiding wide receivers in the dead zone. We're going either zero RB, hero RB, double hero RB. And it's all set up in a really beautiful way. Now, on top of that, if you want to rock with me for the entire season, you can get crazy stuff like I literally go out there and do weekly rankings. I do waiver wire guide stuff. We do subscriber leagues there. I also have tiers gold plus you can get one-on-one fantasy advice from me where I can help you out during the draft, help you out with end season management, a lot of cool stuff. All of my dynasty content is included in there as well. I'm giving up a ton of value on patreon.com slash on Stewart. That'll be down below in the comments. It'll be down below in the description. And as always, if you enjoyed the video, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice, I got the juice Channel, chat on zone Foolies glad I'm on Even my haters kinda glad I'm on Rest in peace to my bag of on Rapper, song, singer Suspended subpoena from misdemeanor